0: Oh. Hello and welcome to the Trojan Sports Podcast Midweek Edition, as Ryan Young would call it. But Ryan's not here. Joey Kopman of the Orange County Register and 22 other news publications is here.
1: Joey? It's an honor to be a returning guest. Have you guys had a returning guest?
0: Well, if you don't count Yogi Roth, which we have a podcast with every Friday, the Ashley the Expert pod, shameless plug, but I mean, it's my pod, I can do that. No, we have not. We, we haven't wanted to bring anyone back. In fact, I didn't really want to bring you back, but Ryan is not available and you were.
1: <laughs> and I was just a guy hanging around right here, so you plucked me out of the bullpen.
0: Well, we're going to talk Porter Dustin, and there's really no better guy to talk Porter than you. Now, I mean, you and I have covered him pretty much his whole career. We're going to do that, and then we are going to get into awards halfway mid-season awards. Can't believe we're already at the.
1: Everybody gets a trophy.
0: No, everyone's not going to get one. (laughs) But we're we're six games into the 12-game regular season. USC will play at least 13 games. I'm thinking they're going to play 14. They're not playing 15.
1: I agree with you.
0: Okay. Let's talk Porter. Uh, The news came down over the weekend that he, in fact, broke his ankle, which I felt really bad about. You know, I don't really get emotionally tied to a lot of these things because I really can't in my profession. But this is a little bit different because he's just someone who we've watched up close throughout his career worked so hard and he lost his junior year and he was in the midst of having a great breakout year and then he came back this year and he was going to have a breakout year he was having it in fact uh, the AP released their mid-season all-american team and the lone USC selection Port Augustine on the second team it just sucks that he's gone already and he worked so hard and I know that he, you know, even when things weren't going well, even when this team was 1-2, and it never mattered with Porter. The way that he played, the way that he prepared, and he's been through a lot at USC, highs and lows, and you would never know that anything had gone wrong with the way that he gave himself to the program, to football. And you're going to miss that. You're going to miss, you know, Watching that, and, uh, and he was a media favorite. He really, I felt like, blossomed with us as he matured, and we got to know him over the years.
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot to unpack there. I, th- I think the the number one thing for me is it just feels like a very unfitting end to his college career because he had t- his first two years at SC freshman and sophomore season. He wasn't hurt. It was very promising throughout. That time and it felt like he was really ready to kind of develop into the next great USC linebacker. And for for injuries last couple of years, it just didn't happen. He had a strong start last year, then the toe bicep injuries and the, toe. the and this year with, with the ankle, it just feels a very undeserved finish for him because you can always talk about guys' work ethic and, and, and people always talk about they're on a new diet. They're on a new weightlifting off season regimen program. Porter hadn't They're had They're doing a carb. yoga.
0: Porter had not had a carb since two thousand four.
1: No. I, I wrote about this on a profile Porter before his junior season a year ago, but he actually stopped eating sugar when he was eleven years old. He stopped. he cut out processed sugars out of his diet at eleven. I mean, I just hadn't come across an athlete who was who's kind of that laser focused about their workout regimen since him and so to have a guy kind of have his college career ended Because of injuries, when somebody works so hard to avoid injuries and to to be in good shape just feels very unfortunate.
0: And it remains to be seen what effect it will have on the team. I think the way Pendergast's defense is drawn up and that position in particular, we've seen a lot of people thrive right there, namely Christian Rector. I feel like on a play-for-play basis, they'll probably be fine. But the impact in the locker room and off the field and the intangibles, Porter became a leader. You know, where he came into the program probably very reserved and to himself and, you know, so regimented that it could almost be unbecoming to another 18-year-old. But you can tell that everyone looks up to him now. Everyone admires him. Um, I'm curious to talk to the players about his absence as we record. It's Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we have not been at practice yet, but we have a couple coming up. And that will be a question I'm going to have for everyone because I feel like he kind of had grown into like the captain in a way. You know, him and Cam together had become the captains of the whole team. and. You can argue that this season he had been their MVP.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think they were kind of in awe of him, to be honest. It just just this kind of admiration for a player who's who works so hard and has has that regimen. It's almost sort of like a guy they look up to in a way, maybe more so than just a regular guy. Especially guys who come into the program, this is your model for for a player and that sort of thing.
0: I think the effect that he had on his peers, even like him who has been a great player for three and a half years now. And in this off season, Cam finally, I just got serious about his weight because he had that baby fat. He kind of carried it you know, throughout his time here. And he knew that if he was going to come back and try to improve his draft stock, then that would be one thing that had to go. And he went to Porter, who he probably could have done this a couple of years ago, but he didn't. But he finally did, and and Porter kind of helped him work on his diet and gave him some tips, and it showed. I mean, Cam is he's actually lighter. Pounds. Yeah, he noticeably lighter and moving around a little bit better. And uh, so even a senior captain, Cam Smith, a returning captain, goes to Porter Dustin and says, you know, help me out.
1: He was pretty smart about that, too, because Porter told Cam that your metabolism is, is slower than my metabolism's, so what you're going to do is you're going to eat fewer meals, or have, have more meals, but in smaller portions throughout your day, because that'll help you digest it faster and kind of shed pounds. So he, was a, he knew what he was talking about, too, Porter.
0: Yeah, you've actually repeated that story a number of times in front of me. I don't know if you're like alluding to something about my weight or my metabolism. I mean, I know that once you hit 30, it can change, and it did for me, but I don't really feel like this is an appropriate arena for that conversation.
1: <laughs> There's always an appropriate conversation to live your best self.
0: All right, well, thank you, Joey. No, I am. Um, yeah, I think I admire Porter. You know, That's, again, someone who we've just been able to watch up close, and we know that these kids work really hard. And with Porter, it's probably just another level above and I've had players, parents, come to me and tell me, "I wish my kid had that same attitude and that same approach to everything, like Porter." I mean, he just has, I think, that that impact and uh, and resonates throughout the program.
1: I think his we should touch on this too, but in a lot of the the kind of looking back on Porter's career, I think there's a lot of focus on what could have been because. Obviously, at a higher ceiling than than kind of what he was able to, to show for it. But if you look back on his career, he was he was pretty productive. I kind of point to the the Washington game in, in 2016 as I mean, if you look on Clay Hilton's tenure, that's the landmark win. That's probably their best win going on the road in Seattle, sold out Husky Stadium. Their toughest game day was there. Washington's ranked fourth in the country. Undefeated. They were undefeated. They still made the playoff, but Washington wasn't making a playoff run. And SC wins that game, and they they have a hard time winning. I think without Porter because the defense was very good that game. He had two sacks, two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. They really got after Jake Browning that game and, and pressured him, and had a, a the defense in particular. I think had a really nice game, and, and he was arguably their their best defensive player in that game because if you remember, Dory gave up a couple long touchdown runs in that game so the front seven of that defense really kind of won that game and, and he was very instrumental in that obviously there were things he would have liked to have done his junior seasons yeah in, in senior seasons but that's an important win and an important season that ends up winning, winning the rose bowl so yeah it's not a, a lost career by any means I don't no think.
0: no i i know what you're alluding to i remember having this conversation on the podcast you know, we go back a few years on the podcast, Joey. I don't know if you knew that. But okay. before you even on the beat, well, with the Orange County Register and the other 22, we were recording this podcast. And I think naturally people wanted to find the next Clay Matthews, Brian Cushing, and Porter kind of embodied that physically. And he even had – he came in with the hair of Cushing and – it now has the hair of clay. And and that was a comparison that kept coming up. And I remember kind of rejecting it because I, A, it was unfair for a true freshman. I know he was a five star and everything. But B, he wasn't that guy, at least not when he got here. And then that Washington game, I think was a turning point for him. I felt like that was the best thing that he had played up to that point. And like you already alluded to, Major win for the program. Uh, I think a, a trademark win for Clay Helton. One that you still have to kind of cite because USC has not been able to win on the road as an underdog. It's the
1: only time they've won as an underdog under Clay Helton.
0: Right, and it, it's just been one big game after another where they've struggled. And uh, depending on how you look at that, Rose Bowl is, uh, you know, it's not a true road game, it's a neutral site game, and it's in LA. A big game, nonetheless, but Washington—you could make a case as the the most important win or the biggest win, uh, whatever it is for you. Porter, I think, came alive that that game, and then it, it seemed to be like a launching point for his career, and it carried over into his junior year. He had a huge game last year versus Stanford and Texas in September. Back to back, really tight win. Well, Stanford they they, they won going away later, but uh, that that's probably another like huge win for the program. A complete game on both sides, and then Texas was a very tight game, and that's a game that he ultimately you know really re aggravated
1: his injury. He got injured in the Stanford game, and he, then he only played in the first half against Texas, but he had two sacks. Yeah. He was really big, kind of the end of that first half. I think Texas had the ball at midfield, and they were driving, and they, they stopped him from scoring. Right. And then got the ball back and scored before half. Kind of a crazy pass to, to Rojo. But yeah. he was big in that win. I mean, that's a that probably win doesn't really change their season too much. But in terms of kind of memorable moments of the last couple of years, I think that was a certainly a memorable game. Kind of washing away fans' memories of the 2006 <laughs> Rose Bowl game a little bit kind of getting some revenge against the Longhorns. So that was a nice win to have.
0: All these wins matter because if they're not a win, then you remember them even more because there are fewer losses and wins. If they, they had not won, then it would be a bigger deal in that regard. And in this year, he was playing really good football. Like I mentioned, uh, AP midseason All-American and had been a productive player basically in every game this season. He was particularly good versus Texas and things really changed when he went out with a targeting call. It it was a different game after that, and Texas would go on to score 34 in a row, which is completely unusual for for this USC team to see that happen, for them to kind of collapse like that. And I don't think that would happen if he was out there. I don't know if they'd win that game. I I don't think they do because the offense just hasn't been there all year, but uh, defensively, they played really well for parts of that game, and with him especially.
1: In the Colorado game, too. I mean, that's another game. It was elimination, Pact 12 south game, and they were playing well on defense maybe to, to withstand his loss, but I don't know. On the other hand, he kind of sparked that pass rush in that game. Oh, yeah. That's a big reason why they won. They needed the defense to, to play as well as they did and keep that a tight game until the offense decided to finally wake up after about 20 minutes or so.
0: It was do as well. Uh, he did not play the first half because of the targeting call. And was, right. was, <laughs> they're playing backyard football on this mm-hmm. defense. And uh, the, the defense tightened up in the second half. They had a pass rush that okay. had been non-existent in the first. And that's what people are going to wonder now is, okay, so what what's the pass rush going to look like? Because that has been up and down. And he's really kind of been the catalyst but at sometimes kind of doing it by himself. Do you think that it will be a
1: major issue moving forward? I wouldn't say it's going to be a major issue, but I haven't then decided how much of an issue it'll be because, on the one let's hand, make
0: a let's make one right
1: now. I'm going to walk you through my thought process because okay. last year you had a case where when he went down, they were pretty productive at that spot. Christian Rector came in; he he had five sacks in his first four games, and he was actually an AP second-team midseason All-American. He was really productive at that spot. I don't know where he is currently, but I mean he's a guy maybe you could get something out of. And then after Rector went down last year with an injury, Jordan Icefa came into the predator spot and he was very productive. So it seems like who's ever at that position has been productive and they're probably not gonna be quite at the same level as as Porter was, but maybe you get something out of there because Clancy's able to press the right buttons and, and get some production at that spot. On the flip side, you look at, was whoever in that Predator spot last year productive on the basis that they're just playing that spot? Or was it the fact that last year you had Rasheem Green, who was able to get a pass rush, and you had Chen Nwosu on the other outside spot, mm. who was very productive? And you don't have those two guys next year? Right. So say you have Christian Rector slide over and play the Predator spot. Yeah. Well, you don't really have a natural pass rusher at defensive end.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you don't have, and say Jordan Iasefa moves over from the other outside spot mm-hmm. to fill in at the Predator Well, You don't really have anybody at that other strong side, outside linebacker spot. Yeah. So you don't have those two guys. Will the Predator be as productive without Rashim and Uchenna? That kind of remains to be seen. I think another issue is what do they do with EA?
0: Yeah, well, so that's maybe what I was going to so, That's a good segue into okay. uh, Rector is my first choice. I want to see what's going on there because he's been quiet and he was too good last year to to forget about. And I'm expecting that he will be the, the first one in line at the predator spot. Now, if for whatever reason it's not working out the way that they want it or they feel like he still should be at defensive end. Then what way do you lean? I feel like you got to get EA on the field. When I saw that last week, he looked like, I mean, in the first half, he
1: was their best defensive player. He's a 250-pound inside linebacker.
0: Yeah. He, who,
1: can, who can run and get into the backfield.
0: Yeah. You should
1: play those players.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have a bunch of them. And his defense has been good. I think maybe even a little bit underrated because of the losses, even though that, that wasn't really on them in the Texas game, there are a lot of things that happened in that game, and that final score might kind of curb your enthusiasm about the defense. But really, like in context of you know the game being competitive, when the offense was doing its part, the defense has not been a problem. Um, other than they had a bad first half versus Wazoo, and that was without Porter, as we mentioned. Okay, EA look like their best defensive player for that half versus Colorado. I'm not saying he's that guy. I'm saying that he'll probably become that guy and you should get him out there. And if Cam's ready to go, some people would say put him that weak side linebacker. I can already tell you they're not going to do that. <laughs> so whether they should or not, they're just not going to. I, I know that they won't do that. But if John Houston and Levi Jones is playing very well right behind him, the two of them are in a mad next spot. Therefore, I'm thinking maybe you slide EA over to predator.
1: Like the Because that's, what he, or, the or, that's or, what he did in the first half against that's what he did in the first half against Washington State. Yeah. Yeah. When Porter had the, the targeting suspension carryover.
0: Yeah, and so either you put him there or even at strong side. He has to play one way or the other. I, I know it's gonna bump a guy who maybe hasn't been starting all year what have you. They they need to win these games <laughs> they I'm, need to play their top guys. I'm with I'm with you on,
1: on playing him because I know people talk about USC, they have all this talent on the roster. I think it's almost been said so much that it's kind of been exaggerated. They don't have a lot of obvious, that guy's a really high NFL pick one day. No. And he's like maybe one of those guys who just is a really big freak athlete. They don't have as many of those as, as people like to think. For whatever reason, yeah. if that's a recruiting talent identification issue, if or that's a coaching, co- that's like uh, for another day yeah. podcast. I don't want to like get into that discussion right now because... Sure. That'll suck up forty-five minutes, but <laughs> to me, there's a pressing need to play those special players. You have
0: to play the people
1: that. And, produce. Porter, was a, and Porter was a special player. Like yeah,
0: that. you, you got to play the guys that produce. And EA showed that he'll produce. He, he produced. He produced higher than everybody around him in that game. And that's what you're used to with Cam. And that's why Cam will reclaim that spot as soon he's healthy. But and he should. But it oh, absolutely. Uh, he had EA he got help, you know. John Houston had to kind of help uh, get everybody lined up and make calls and everything. Uh, and he's still learning. He's been here for a couple months. He was not even here in the spring.
1: And he missed time in fall camp for um, the end because he had a meniscus tear. He had good same injury that Porter Yeah,
0: and he had a good day. I think he had a good day after. Yeah,
1: it was fairly soon after. Yeah. He missed he missed the first two games. He didn't actually debut until Texas.
0: Right, and and now he's here and ready to go and. They need to play him, and I don't know that they're going to start him. I wouldn't make that prediction. Again, we haven't had the benefit of watching him practice, but even before that, I, could, I would venture to say I don't want, I don't want to commit. I, I don't know, because you like to think that what they saw on tape would convince them that he has to be out there from the jump. I do have to note as well that he's, he's been in concussion protocol and we have to get word on that, that, he'll, that he's even cleared. Mm-hmm. He very well could not be, or maybe not till later in the week. If he's not cleared already, then he will not be starting on Saturday. But if he's cleared already, then maybe we see him lined up outside with the first team in practice.
1: Those are also spots, too, outside linebacker, where you can rotate, I think, a little yeah. bit more freely than maybe you can at the mic spot, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of the problem here is that Cam isn't going to come off the field mm-hmm. if he's healthy. You, right. you don't take him off very much. You don't want to do that. You don't need to do that. But you got to get EA on. All right. Awards?
1: Sure. Okay. Dive right into it.
0: Yeah, we're going to jump into some mid-season awards. We thought it would be fun to just kind of take a look at what's already happened and recognize some of those that uh, have been putting in work in the first half of the year. Joey? Who is your Rookie of the Year?
1: That's a tough question. Yeah? It's a tough question. Man, why don't you go first? You aren't ready for that? No. Right. Well, because there's a lot of obvious candidates. Um, are you, you are ready. You should go first. You should go first. Okay.
0: I'm on Rock State Brown. Uh, he's a game changer. He's dynamic. Uh, He chokes the field for the offense. I know that not every game has been a big game. Uh, There have even been a couple missed opportunities lately. But I can't even imagine this passing game right now, which has been really up and down without him. He's been their top receiver, and uh, and it's even with the, the huge game that Michael Pittman had this past week. But I feel like he's shown up every week. And, and while the offense has not really been, you know, on track every week, it's not not because of him. You know, I, I think that he's done what he can. In fact, they probably have underutilized him a little bit. And I don't know if you noticed in the depth chart that came out this weekend, but they had him listed in the slot, which I know that they use him there during games. They had not even put him there on the depth chart. They had him at number two. And then they had him at number two behind Tyler Vaughns, not Michael Pittman. So they kind of moved him. He kind of shifted a couple things. He did make a start ahead of Tyler Vaughn earlier in the year. I don't know how he's not starting at this point. We're going into game
1: seven. Well, you do have an idea why.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know why, but uh, it, it's wrong. And uh, he's the rookie of the year, and he is one of the best players in the team Already not going to be, but
1: is? That's good you answered him, because I'll give something different. Okay. I'm going to go JT Daniels for Rookie of the Year. The quarterback. The quarterback, number okay. 18. Uh, he graduated a year earlier from high school. Wait, what? If people aren't familiar with that story, but that's that's why he's here. I just think if they don't have him as their starting quarterback, they might be 2-4, and because I don't think they win Washington State without him, and I don't think they... Beat Colorado without him. Outside of that, because they needed that scoring burst in the second quarter to, to score points, they might not have beaten UNLV. With I just think they they're in serious jeopardy of this being not being bowl eligible without JT Daniels. I know that's kind of yeah crazy to sound, but if you look no. at their wins, they needed him to throw the ball a ton because they couldn't run the ball, and for whatever reason, this offense put a ton of weight on the quarterback to be great. And if you don't have a quarterback who can who can make the deep throws and the big plays, they're just not winning these games. And so, I just feel like it kind of has to be him.
0: Yeah, even the quarterback, though quarterback, there's a lot of value tied to that position. Mm-hmm. And so, if you use that metric, you know, if he was not playing and you had to get, you had the next quarterback up, then he definitely wins. And he becomes the MVP of the team for sure.
1: And he's uh, had some low moments too. I don't think yeah. he played great in, in Stanford. Maybe that's not. Not really all on him, obviously, but yeah. maybe. He's been very good. Maybe he's a good pick. So I'll, I'll just go something different. It's, I yeah. know it's kind of cheating a little bit to pick the quarterback, but.
0: Yeah, and I mean, what's really interesting about this category is that by the end of the year, you're going to have other names that are going to be under consideration. You're going to have more of a Noah, Hufunga. You're going to have more of EA,
1: right? I mean. Well, I, wanted to, I almost thought about Hufunga because he's actually second on the team in tackles right now. Already. Tied with Porter already. And EA was so impressive in his first game. I mean, you can't obviously pick those guys, but yeah. I just had a lot of names running through my head when you sure. he said Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty impressive freshman class. I It might be the best group, I think. I came on the beat in 2016. Oh, it's my fr- the best. It's, the, you, be- yeah. it's the best uh, group of freshmen I've seen. I wasn't yeah. here in 2015. 2015 right. I'm sure it was better, but... Compared to the last two classes that I've seen up close, it's it's the best.
0: But even 2015, a lot of them really began to flourish the following year. It wasn't so much what they had done in 2015. I would say that the 2018 class has made more of an impact, uh, an instant impact, than that 2015 class. But the 2015 group is loaded. You have a lot of guys that, even people that are still very productive right now,
1: Biggie and Cam and Right,
0: Marvell Porter. Okay. Next category. Who has been the most surprising player to you?
1: You can go several ways with that one. Most surprising but you should, you should answer you've like clearly thought about these more than I have, so I feel like you should <laughs> you should begin I told Joey
0: we were gonna do awards, so I didn't say what, what category, I didn't say for what school or what sport. You know, we could be talking anything right now, but it ended up being USC football, believe it or not, and Joey's unprepared. All right, uh, the most surprising player, yeah, I mean in a, in a positive way, <laughs> not someone that we projected to be great and has flopped. We're not going to do all that. There should be more candidates, and I think the fact that there isn't is a bit of a letdown. I think it does say something about the team right now. But the guy that I'm going to focus on for the award would be out to Cedric Ware. Now, I knew he could be productive. And I knew that he could contribute. It wasn't a matter of ability. It was a matter of opportunity. And I believed that Stephen Carr would be the feature back. You know really early in the year too and I thought okay maybe not the opener because it's UNLV and they'll kind of share and they ended up doing that but I thought moving forward that especially when they got into the the meat of their schedule that they would turn the car because I do believe that he is ultimately their best running back well he hasn't been their best running back this year you have to be fair to what's actually happened and Occas Cedric Ware has been that guy. He's proven that he deserves the work that he gets. He's averaging six yards of carry, whereas Carr's averaging five. Carr's been good too, but Ware's been better. You know, and he's shown he can carry a big load. And with Carr, it's still kind of a mystery as to what he can do or what he should do. I mean, I've been vocal about his lack of touches, like a lot of people have. Because when you talk to Carr, he says, I'm totally fine, and I can take on as much as they'll give me. But what we heard from Clay, over and over and over, we need to manage his usage because he's coming off that back surgery. And I don't think Clay would just do that if Carr were ready. Yeah, if Carr could take on 25 carries a game. Why would he do that? Clay clearly got an instruction from the medical team to just kind of take it easy with him.
1: I think they also view him as he's the guy who's at least going to be here for next year. Yeah. So we don't want to make things worse and hurt his next off season. So I think that. Yeah, there's that, a lot of There's that, that factors in somewhat.
0: Clay always cares about the kid. Mm-hmm. We just know that about him. Now, it still has been curious at times, like, you go to, like, the Stanford game and... He had 10 carries that game? Yeah. And the Texas game, they didn't run very much. You know, he had, I think, six. Uh, But Stanford was where he was productive, and he was running better than Ware was. And they were running the ball all right, but he was running well, and they were not scoring. They only scored three points, and they could have used him more. But it's, it's hard to, to say that with conviction, because they're still not doing it. You know, We're going into the seventh game of the year, and he's yet to have that, that heavy load in even one game. And I keep getting asked, you know even this past week, I was asked if I thought he would have you know, a dozen carries, and he ended up having exactly 12, and that was a season high, but that he's only done that. In his career one other time you know now a year and a half into his career anyway we're, we're going on a tangent here about car where
1: i thought of my guy
0: okay go ahead thank you
1: the guy who surprised me is vivai malapai i'll stick okay. with the running backs All right. not this huge breakout season by any means but he's, he's looked nice um but he was a the guy they talked a lot about in the offseason spring and, and fall camp and as he's a running back, we're going to play, and he's going to be part of our rotation. And you, you heard that a lot. And he looked okay in practice, but sometimes it's, he didn't really flash like the way Stephen Carr does. And maybe you're thinking, okay, they just want to use him, use him because he's a big, more physical guy, a guy that they don't have in that rotation, different type of runner. But he's he's impressed me in terms of his—he's a little shiftier than I thought. And I think he's more athletic than people maybe realize, so— I think they definitely have something with him in their rotation. And that's a reason why they play all three guys is because nobody's giving them a reason not to play them. Which yeah. is kind of a complicated thing because maybe in an ideal scenario, you just have two guys and they split 25-30 right. carries, which allows them to get in more of a rhythm, but... Nobody's yeah. played themselves out of the rotation. So I think he's a guy you have to look at. Yeah. Well, for showing that he belongs in that group.
0: He's been the bright spot, and he's, he'd be another point of contention for some people because his usage has also kind of fluctuated, where he had a kind of a breakout game versus Wazoo, and then barely plays versus Arizona. Uh, it's hard to predict what we're going to see from him, but I think more Malapai, the, the better. Uh, who's been your favorite player to watch? Who's been kind of the most fun guy? You've just enjoyed aesthetically to
1: observe. And it'd be really sad to say Porter, but kind of. I thought his his last game against Colorado was so great. He he had kind of worked on some some new moves. It seemed like before early in his career he was just kind of a guy who would try and barrel past a, a tackle on the outside, but he, he was kind of dipping on the inside. I mean, probably I'll pick an offensive guy. I think. You look at Michael Pittman, certainly, just the, some of those catches, I think he kinda reminds you that USC can just out talent teams. That that you just have kind of better athletes and JT kind of under threw two balls to him pretty poorly. I mean, it seemed like he was kind of waiting an eternity for them to come up, but just goes up and, and kind of rips the ball loose. So he just kinda reminds you of one of those players from the Pete Carroll era USC teams are just kind of bigger, stronger, faster than the players in the other team, and just can kind of outwork somebody. So both of those, Porter and Michael, put them yeah, I are mean, kind take, of the same genre. Just take
0: every answer.
1: Yeah, just <laughs> I'm gonna name four more. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, I've enjoyed watching JT. I think that there's something magnetic about him because probably because of all the hype. You know, at times he's Maybe been a little bit of a letdown because you can you can get really excited about what you see on one play and then like the interception he threw at the beginning of the game last week was kind of weird. You know, I mean, he's thrown a couple picks and that's going to happen, but that one I thought was kind of odd, and uh, it, it just had me wondering a lot of different things because I've heard different things about him and potentially having a get arm at times. And we've heard about him having soreness, you know, coming out of that arm and coming out of games. At the end of the day, I mean, that's the position that I kind of fall in love with. And uh, and JT, it can get lost in, in the, the the UFC bubble that he's only been here a couple months. Right. And I'm, I'm not joking here. I'm not going to make mention of, of his whole background and everything. But just the fact that he's a true freshman he'd be, be a senior in high school. <laughs> no, it, it's trial by fire. And that's what he signed up for. That's why he's here. That, that's, that was the deal from day one. We all knew that. It's still fun to watch a kid try to figure it out, a, a talent. I'm always fascinated when I don't know where the book is going to end, right? In fact, I feel like last year, well, I, I mean, I always enjoyed watching Sam Darnold it was inevitable that he would leave at the end of the year, he would go at the top of the draft. Once he kind of made that run in 2016, you really you knew like how that movie was going to end for him personally. You know, The only thing that was left to be written would be what, what would happen at USC while he was there. With JT, I don't know. I, I don't know how this will play out. I think that it's very different than it would be for Darnold or even... Josh Rosen, as you covered before, where you kind of knew that they were going at the top of the draft. I don't know. With, with JT, uh, it, it's kind of more like a, like a Matt Barkley, you know. And even, and with Barkley, we did kind of assume certain things, and a lot of us were wrong about that. But with JT, I don't think that we have the same type of expectations about his like pro career. That we projected on Barkley. I mean, I know I get. I know. No, that.
1: I think I think you're getting on something there, where he's not the obvious NFL talent. His height and yeah, he's not a six five bronzy looking quarterback. Yeah. So,
0: but he's a, he, he's got a bright mind, and he kind of plays the game differently. And those are the things that I'm really interested in moving forward because you need reps to to I think to grow in that way and. To, to kind of pull the best out of yourself. And uh, and that's where I think there is a chance that he'll play some great football in the coming two months. I don't know because I don't trust his offense, but I do trust his talent. I trust his ability. I, I trust, you know, his preparation. Uh, and I trust Brian Ellis, his quarterback's coach. And I, I just feel like that pairing... Will be uh, will be uh, something to to follow moving forward. So that that's the guy that I'm going to go with. that I think is uh, been the most interesting player to watch. It's
1: a good pick. I was thinking more of just the literal aesthetics as a football player yeah. on the field, the way their bodies move, the way they make plays. Yeah, but that was a good answer from the long term narrative. Jakey makes some throws that we haven't seen. Throws yeah. that that couldn't make. Very different type of passer than Sam. He likes to lean on the sidelines a lot and. The deep ball, the, the back, back shoulder. shoulder, the back shoulder is real nice. Just and Sam would kind of, he always had the kind of the loopy throws where the things break down, but those kind of turn into the highlights. But he was very good, just the quick strike stuff over the middle of the, to Deontay. Yeah, so, he, had,
0: he grew with a, a bit more velocity and a little bit flatter. Mm-hmm. JQ is a little bit more like a arching. Arc. Yeah, so different. Yeah, I would arc? say can I call it arc? You can either either or. I like I arc. Okay, beyond the arc. Okay. Uh, MVP. Who's your MVP?
1: You can double up. I, I could double down. Um, <laughs> if we if we literally define it by the most valuable to this team, I think you have to. Go like who, who's been the best player? Let's do that because sure. Like, again,
0: quarterback is so much value tied to the position.
1: Well, then I have to double down again. Okay. I mean, then it has to be Porter, I think. Okay. He was just the most disruptive player. I mean, he, he has seven sacks. Everybody else has six. Porter missed the second half of Texas and. The first half against Washington State. You mean everyone else combined, by the way. Correct. The entire team has six sacks. Porter had seven. <laughs> he had over ten tackles for loss. He was just the, the the best player in that defense. The guy who can get drafted the highest. Yeah. The guy who makes the most plays. I mean, he's sort of, I think, clearly just the best player. If you were to put this team in NCAA football at 19, if that was recreated, he would have the highest overall rating.
0: Yeah. No, good pick. I, I mentioned, I think at the top of the show, that you could argue that he's an MVP. I wouldn't argue it. No. I'm actually going to go with Cam Smith, who right now is maybe a little bit forgotten, just a little bit, because he didn't play the last game, and EA played for him and played really, really well. But I'm not going to dismiss everything that Cam has done. He, he's still leading the team in tackles by, by 19 he he has a good margin on everybody, even with a game missed, and uh, sometimes they throw around quarterback of a defense, and I don't like it because there is no one player that really comes anywhere close to what a quarterback would do for the offense, but I do think that he's the heart of it, uh, and he has a lot of responsibility, and he controls as much as one can' control for a defense for for this one in particular, you know I, I don't think that they get that type of presence um, on the front you know in the in the backfield or on the g line yeah I, I think that Cam is integral to what they're
1: doing yeah he, he had fifteen tackles against washington state right he was he was really big in that and important in that game too, so I think that's a good pick as well
0: yeah. And Cam uh, is very important moving forward here. In fact, I think the the good, you know, the silver lining here is that okay, Porter is gone, but Cam's back, and now you know that you have this other budding talent in EA, and you know, again, just make sure that you play both of
1: them <laughs> right. It's an interesting defense because there's reason to think they'll get better. I mean, you're starting Tano Funga in your secondary. Elijah Griffin's playing more. Those are two, 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 two true freshmen. You have Pallaier. True freshman looks really good. Jay Dufele looks good in the defensive line. Retro freshman. You have a lot of young players who have futures here.
0: Yeah. Well, that actually leads to my final award here. Okay. Who's the most intriguing guy to you moving forward? And, I mean, it could be someone that's already, like, has a certified role, but or it could be somebody that. Is maybe a backup or in a rotation that you want to see more of and you're curious about.
1: EA is the obvious one, but we've already kind of hit on yeah, that. Sure. Uh, I'm curious what they'll do with uh, Jay Tufele, just because of how they manage the defensive line. Uh-huh. Sometimes you see two guys lining up. Sometimes you see three guys lining up. But they seem to like Tufele a lot. And I'm curious what kind of role they'll get out of him because it seems like a lot of the defensive linemen they've recruited lately Brandon Peely Marlon Tui Pelotu they seem almost just kind of like cogs against the run and I'm curious if any of them will kind of develop as a pass rusher and maybe you can include Brandon Peely in that category Clay because
0: is saying that he's waiting for Peely to be that guy but it hasn't happened yet
1: I feel like they're going to ultimately need somebody to be able to develop as a pass rusher from a defensive line spot yeah and they, haven't, and they yeah. haven't had that. You can't just rely no. on your predator to get sacks. You need right. one of those guys off the line to make plays. So I'm curious, kind of out of that group mm-hmm. of defense linemen from last year's recruiting class, the 2017 class, kind of maybe all led by Jay DeFelli, that group, Brandon, yeah. I'll throw in Brandon Peely, but yeah. can one of those guys emerge as a pass rusher?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can go in a lot of directions here. You can go with a guy like Stephen Carr. You can go with a guy like Rector. Uh, or a couple of the the G-Lamin that you named and I'm intrigued by all of them I think right now though Kalanoa Hufunga is the one that I think could break out Uh, I I feel like the time that he's gotten has been invaluable Uh, there's a point actually that Pendergast made to me recently that it wasn't planned, I mean Hufunga came into the year really as the fifth guy You had Marvell, you had Achille, you had Bubba Bolden, you had Isaiah Polamau, you had Pollard. And, I mean, those two safety spots are somewhat interchangeable, but you had all these guys, and Hufunda, who shined in the spring, came in the training camp at the bottom. And he was going to play special teams, and he knew that. And he had that to cling to, and I think that was probably important for him because you know it, it, you can kind of lose heart maybe if you're not even going to do that and you are you kind of know that you're red-shirting. Uh, I don't know. But whatever the case was for him, uh, he was ready to go basically from the moment that he got the reps. And to me, he has that talent in, in the safety position that USC hasn't really had for a while we haven't seen it that the playmaking going back to maybe Sula Cravens
1: which is allowed. who actually became more of an outside linebacker he did yeah he didn't even stay there but Hufunga moves very well sideline to sideline yeah you kind of see him on, on throws on the sideline even tipping passes and stuff
0: had a couple opportunities to pick off a pass right. and give him, finish him and I think I think he finishes them in, in the second half that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking at but uh, he's a guy that I'm expecting to emerge uh, even more so than already. All right. Well, I think we're good. Um, thank you, everybody. It was fun. Joey, did you, did you have fun? Come it was back. good.
1: I always love talking ball with you. You'll come back again? Sure. If, if, I'll, be hanging around, I'll be hanging around here. Charles just <laughs> tag just, just <tying> me on <laughs> yeah, my shoulder. If, if
0: I have no one else to get.
1: Yeah, so keep me in on the talking points, and <laughs> so was, so I'm not just going off the cuff, but I think I think I said mostly what I believe, so that's that's good. I think yeah. I, I think I got to all my my thoughts. You kept it 100. Yeah, I don't really do that, but <laughs> sure. Can you even pronounce that? Hundred.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, be sure to sign up if you haven't. Trojansports.com. We still have our promotion going. It ends at the end of the month, which is just around the corner. But uh, we are better than ever. Joey, would you agree? I know that you look at our site better than
1: we ever were before. I think so. You know the operation most intimately, so I take your word for it. Well, that, that was a ringing endorsement <laughs> from uh, a guest
0: that we'll never have again, Joey Kopman. But uh, no, uh, we, we definitely are. It's uh, good, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> better, bigger, better, more beautiful. Everything you want to be.
1: Well, you, uh, you seem like you're working a lot more. So that's, that seems to me that, <laughs> that things are going up on the site and there's a lot of content. Right. So that's good. Yeah, we're tired-er. That's good. That means it's good for your readers because you're working more, but you're working for them.
0: Yeah, I am. I am working for you. I'm dedicated. Actually, Ryan Young and uh, Kajwa Kaniker. So be sure to sign up.